will you put open your Bibles in, to the text that was read for us from Ecclesiastes? And uh, pray with me that God will give us some understanding to this text. Father, this is your word, and your spirit is the author of the word. I pray that it will be handled with reverence. It will be handled, Lord, with humility. And it should be handled in Father dependence upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Help us to receive what God has prepared for us from his word today. In Jesus' name, amen. I knew this verse from Ecclesiastes from the time I was a little boy. My mother used to quote this verse to me again and again and again, and as many times as she would quote the verse to me, that's as many times as I would get annoyed. My mother was a very generous woman. She was not educated. She had nothing more than a grade three education, actually. But she was a wise woman. And we used to watch mom as at times she would do things for people that we thought she had no business doing because they would only take advantage of her. And when we would say anything to her, she would say, cast thy bread upon the waters that shall return unto thee after many days. Oh, my. (laughs) She didn't say it once. Well, obviously she didn't say it once. I remembered it. (laughs) I don't think I have preached on this text as I am about to preach this morning because in studying it, it brought back not only memories of my mother, but it brought back memories of of ways in which I have seen the hand of God in my life. Because the whole idea of the text is telling us something about where we are at this present moment. What we're doing with this present moment. In, in ways that, that, that might be surprising to some of us. I think that my desire is that you will understand that this text is speaking to us about what we're doing in church. What we're doing with our lives. How does our lives relate to the church? Does the church, does it have any relationship at all? You will see in a minute as the text continues. So I pray that God will will give me understanding as I speak, in spite of having studied, that he will open your understanding to it, and he will speak to you as he desires to do. Many, many theologians or scholars have studied this text and they have brought different aspects of of understanding to it, but they all agree 
that the text is speaking about investment. Not investment of money, although it can be applied. I think that what I see in this text is how we relate in the body of Christ what we do and then how that influences what we do outside and then what is the meaning of what we do and what's the enjoyment of what we do and what is the expectation of what we do. That's all in this text. So what is it dealing about? I have titled it Boomerang Ministry. I'm sure you know what a boomerang is. I have never thrown one. I've seen it thrown, but I've never thrown one. And I don't know if the writer had in mind some of the things that we can deal with today. But I want to suggest to you that when it begins, cast your bread, it is like giving an order. It is saying, this is what you ought to be doing. This is what you should be doing. So, he's telling us, if, if indeed cast your bread upon the waters, and bread represents substance, possession, talents, giftedness, cast your bread. If you cast it, it means you are throwing it in the direction of people who need it. And as you cast your bread upon the waters, it shall return to you after many days. <laughs> Someone, I think a father was trying to explain this text to his son, and he was telling him about casting his bread upon the waters, it who, and it will return to him after many days. He says, who wants to eat soggy bread? <laughs> well, it's not that at all, friends. Let me begin, first of all, by sharing with you the source for our ministry, because it's implied in this text. The source. By, by that I mean, if you cast your bread upon the water, where do you get the bread from? You say, well, I was, I was, I was working, I I, I, I get my job. Who gives you your job? You say, well, I sweat for this. That's exactly the way God says you were going to get it. <laughs> By the sweat of your brow. And Jesus teaches us in, in, in the scriptures, when you pray, say, give us this day our daily bread, our, our, our needs. But here, the bread has already been given. I like what St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4. What do you have that you did not receive? And why do you boast of it as if you were not given it? <laughs> the bread, the gifts, the talents, the beauty, your looks, your, your shape, whatever it is. Those are gifts from God. You did not just say, I mean, I, I know they're doing it these days. You know, if you're rich like some of the Hollywood people, you can have a baby made to order. But that's not scriptural. We shall see in, in, in a few moments. So whatever we have, friends, 
What has God given to you in your life that you are sitting upon it, possessing it, seeing it as belonging to you? Have you read the scripture that says, to them who have, more shall be given, and to those who have and not use it, it shall be taken away from them and given to someone else? This is what this is talking about. I believe that there is, there is a sense of unhappiness in the body of Christ because we are holding on to the bread of our gifts, of our ministry. We're holding on to it. I don't have time. I, 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 can't, I can't do this. I can't do that. And we shall see what is happening here. What see, The scripture says this, that every believer, everyone, if you are a believer this morning, you have been given a gift. Everyone. From the youngest child, that gift might not be developed as yet, but you're given a talent as well. And just think that we come and we utilize that gift. Even some of the, 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 the gifts of God, we use it in our workplace, but when it comes to the church, we do not cast our bread. We don't have time. Other things are more important than ministering to the body. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says that as we see the day approaching for judgment, this is when the church ought to come together to encourage one another. As we see the day approaching, the greatest thing we can have, my friends, is for us to be able to cast our bread. In fact, literally, the text in, in the Hebrew, it is to send your bread, to send it ahead of you. So the source, the source of our ministry is God. It is God who has given you what you have. Don't minimize whatever that gift might be. And God help the church that stifles the gift that God has given to the church for its ministry. I just... I grieve over this and I'm thinking of absolutely no one. But isn't it interesting that, that if we're doing certain things in the church and we are pressured from things from without and we think we need to make some changes, what's the first thing that goes? Our ministry in the church. That's the first thing that goes. <laughs> I, I used to suffer I used to suffer a great deal as, as a young, uh, young man um, with a toothache. toothache. And, and, and we didn't have... Uh, I, 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 I was going to say we didn't have dentists where I was born. We had butchers. I was talking to my sister the other day and I said, do you remember Dr. Lin? Oh, she said, do I. They used to line us up as students from school to go to Dr. Lind to get medical dental care. And oh man, oh, 
I cringe. I want to cry even now as I think of being in Dr. Lin's chair. But I'm going to tell you, no toothache would ever keep me from going to the movies. I don't care what they were like. I would do everything. I would endure that, but I would be, I would be there. And isn't it interesting, friends, that we will do anything at any time for ourselves, even for others, but when it comes to the church. Just think of what will keep us from our ministry. We shall see what that is in a few minutes. I'm just setting the stage right now for you to see that, that you are gifted, that God has gifted you. He has given you the bread of a mind. He has given you the bread of music, whatever it might be. You know what talents God has given to you, what gifts he has given to you. And he wants you to use that gift so that the church might be edified and that we might come to the unity of the faith as a result of the utilization of that gift. That's what he wants. I want you to see something else. Not only the source of the ministry. I want you to see the scope of it. (laughs) Look at verse 2. At the beginning of verse 2. Divide your portion to seven. Or even to eight. (laughs) When you read that, did, did you wonder, what in the world does that mean? Give to seven. No, even to eight. Let, let me illustrate it for you. Jesus said in his kingdom, if, if you are living as a, as a child of God in Rome, and a Roman citizen sees you, knowing that you were not a Roman citizen, and he was carrying a bag, a Roman citizen had the right to say to you, carry my bag for the next mile. That was a law. But Jesus said, if you are following me, he asked you to carry it for a mile. So guess what you should do? Carry two. See, that's the eighth. It is talking about generosity. It is talking about refrain from being stingy with your gifts. Don't don't enjoy God's gifts six days a week. In fact, you know what I heard? I, I read the other day. I think it was yesterday, the news, that Mexico is now trying to get workers to work three days a week so they have more time for recreation. Oh, man. I don't want to put any political connection to that, believe me, because if I do, I might get in trouble. See, God has gifted us and my friends he says to you and to me not only have I gifted you but I want you to use your gift in a generous way because I was generous to you I gave you out of my abundance and I prove how much I loved you by sacrificing my son and I'm going to take ridicule from the world because of of allowing the son to die, and people will call it spiritual child abuse, as they're doing today. And yet, how stingy we have become. We scarcely use 
some of the things that are so desperately needed in the church for its ministry because, you see, the ministry has been given to you and to me. And Ephesians chapter 4 says that God has gifted us in order to minister. That's why he gave it to us. But the text goes on now. As, as we look at, at this whole privilege of, of, of ministry, its source, as we think of, of what it cost God for us, now he comes to us in the second place with what I call clogs, clogs that interfere with ministry. Verses 3 and 4. Verse 3 says this, If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. And whenever a weather tree falls toward the south or the north, <laughs> wherever the tree falls, there it lies. Do you know what it's saying there? Some of us, friends, I said us, not you. Some of us, capitulate before we even minister. Because you know what we say? That can't be done. I have seen this tried before. It can't be done. I can tell you about the history. If a tree falls, I know. Because if, if, if a tree falls, if, first, first of all, if the cloud is there, I know it's going to rain. So, so what, what God is looking at, he's looking at trying to prevent us from seeing the difficulties and making the difficulties the reason why we can't minister. Let me give you an illustration of this. And I'll precede the story. Numbers 13, 25 to, 20, to 33. Numbers 13. In verse 1, God spoke to Moses and he said, I want you to choose 12 men to go into the land that I'm giving you, and I want them to spy out the land, and it's a land filled with milk and honey and just the most gorgeous thing, even more beautiful than Oregon, Paul. And so they went. They went. And when they went, they saw just as God promised. But the fly in the ointment, you know what was the fly in the ointment? But. <laughs> but. But the sons of Anak are there. Do you, don't you think that God knew that? See, we say, when we see difficulties, we say, couldn't, couldn't be God's will. When a tree falls, when it, whichever direction it falls, that's where it's going to stay. I've seen this done before. And I can tell you reasons why I think we should never go by that. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country and the Canaanites are living by the sea. How can we be given this land? But that's not, the, that's not the whole thing. Listen to this now. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him 
said, We are not able to go against the people, for they are too strong for us. They had the history of the Jebusites and the Amorites in mind, not the promises of God. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report. That is, we can't do it. Verse 33, this is where I wanted to get. There also, there also we saw the Nephilim limbs. Sons of Enoch, as part of, of the makeup of the land. We became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. <laughs> Do you get it? There's a clog. There are difficulties all around this. But my friends, where did God send them? God sent them at the very place where these people were. Moses was not on an ego trip trying to make a name for himself. Moses was not trying to build a ministry around his courage. Moses asked them to go because God sent them. God told him to send them. And how many times this has happened to ministries. People are aware of the history of things. In fact, I hear it these days. <laughs> I get in trouble for this one. People say, we can't do this because of the economy. And so I said, oh, do you mean it was the economy that was driving the purposes of God before? Or was God using the economy? Do you know, my friends, that some of the greatest institutions in this country were built during the Depression? When people had very little, but oh, little is much, says the old song, when God is in it. The clogs. What is stopping you? What is interfering with your participation in the ministry of Sodoville Evangelical Church. You know what the scripture says, friends? That, that my chief responsibility is to equip you so that you perform the ministry. It's not about me. It's about a church coming together, fed the things of God, having the fire of their energy at high, high, high level so that they do not need pressures from outside to do things because they have the spirit from inside to do them. A pastor's greatest joy is when somebody comes to him and say, you know, I feel that God is leading me to do this. Wow. We will be asking you, friends, this coming fall to help. We need help in the church. We need people to work in the early childhood department. We, we need people in evangelism. We need people to, to, to visit some of the, the, the sick. We need people to say, what is God saying to us that we are supposed to be doing? Listen, let me tell you, I'm not on some trip. <laughs> I'm not one who tried to say, no, let's see what they're doing in California and let's try it here. No, friends. 
I want to be before God so like that God spoke to Moses and said, tell the people to go and spy out the land. I want to be able to, to say to you, I am sending you because God has told me from his word to send you, to equip you so that the ministry is sustained not by the preaching of a man, but by the ministry of the body. That's clogs in ministry. This is what, the, what I call the combatants. The combatants. That's in, in the next verse. Verse 5. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. He who watches the wind. Let me see. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a teacher in college, never forgotten these words. Nothing will ever be accomplished if all possible difficulties must first be removed. Nothing will ever be accomplished if all possible difficulties must first be removed. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Each year, or every two years, we have a missions conference here. And, and it's, 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 it's the desire for, for you to become aware of what God is doing in the world. And I know that some of the biggest missions conference, those held in Portland and in Seattle, the attendance is going right down, right down. And I could look at those, I could look at those conferences and say, if it's going down in Seattle, if it is going down in Portland, if it is going, I attended, when I was a student, I attended a missions conference um, by um, Youth for Christ, uh, InterVarsity, I'm sorry. That year that I went, there were 21,000 students. 21,000 students from all around the world. I think I roomed with someone from South America. See it today. You see it today. And I don't know that they have a quarter of that amount of students anymore. So we can look at that and say, if they're going down in those places... Why in the world are we going to try to do it here in the metropolitan, metropolitan, metro, metropolitan center of Sotoville? Why? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. If you look at the clouds, you will not sow. If you say, you know, this could happen. Oh, my friends, have you ever thought of anything that could happen that could happen, that could happen. Everything we do, something could happen. But all the difference is, where are we getting our orders from? That's the difference. Is God the source of the ministry? And my friends, if God is the source of the ministry, it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by His Spirit. Let me quickly... Get to the confidence in ministry. The confidence in ministry. Ecclesiastes 1, 2, 5, and 6. Listen to what it says. Cast your bread. Send it ahead. 
upon the waters. The waters, notice that it's plural, the waters could be in any direction, anything. It might be an individual, it might be money you give, it might be time you give, it might be talent you use. Send that for the benefit of someone else and it will return. Here is confidence in ministry. We can be confident in our ministry if our ministry is based upon the promises of God. It will return, not may. You will find it after many days. Send away what you want to return. Here's the promise of God. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints. God is not forgetful what you do here and there. Like Mordecai in the book of Esther who years before had helped and there was no thanks. There was, there was nothing. And then at the proper time, it returned to him. When I talk about ministry, my friends, I want you to know I'm not talking about, be, about reckless human effort. No, none at all. I'm talking about ministry that is brought about by prayer so that we are able to say, this ministry seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. And so Joshua reminds us in Joshua 21, 45, not one good promise which the Lord hath made to us and to Israel have failed. All came to pass. May I suggest to you, friends, that God has left us with promises we have not yet seen fulfilled. Why is it that only the first century could see Peter walking on water? Now, I don't mean we're going to go to lake whatever and try to walk on water. What I meant is, my friends, that, that we are ready to launch out into the deep because God says it to do it. Not because the pastor says it. And when we are one together in the word of God, and that word is motivating us, when something comes for ministry, my friends, there will be a unity because the source for the ministry is the same. So I'm not talking about money. God forbid. I'm not talking about some of the things that easily are spoken of when we think of ministry. And I'm talking about the whole, whole aspect of the church life. There's so many more things we can do. Secondly, not only the promises of God, you know, I remember when I, when I left, give you this little example of God's promises. When I left Belize to uh, go to Three Hills in Alberta, I got a letter from the school that said, we have not been able to process your um, application, but come. But we warn you, you've got to come at your own risk. <laughs> And, and, and so the day came when I left one nice February afternoon. It was 65 degrees above zero and we were freezing. And so I'm moving through some of the places because I, I, I flew to Miami and then took the bus, went to Chicago, visited my sisters and then took the bus and kept going north. 
And I, as, I was getting, as I was getting to the border to cross into Winnipeg and then Saskatchewan and then Alberta, I had, I had no passport. I mean, I had my British passport. I had no one to greet me there. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, all I can remember, even as I stand here right now, I can remember saying, Father in heaven, I am confident that you have called me from my home to where I'm going. And I don't know how I'm going to get across the border, but here I am. And friends, I went through that border as though I had everything that was required. They didn't stop me, didn't ask any question. In fact, they gave me a prolonged uh, um, stay as a student so that I didn't have to worry. They didn't give it, the whole thing to me then. They said, we'll send it to you. And they did. Never allow the clouds to cloud the promises of God. God said, when I put forth my own sheep, I go before them. And God will never ask us to do a ministry that will embarrass him or embarrass you. We can trust his promises. But what about the providence of God? Verse 5, verse 5. Listen to what verse 5 says. Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how the bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes everything. Every ministry requires providence. Providence is where God is working in the extraordinary to provide what he wants, what he's called us to do. I heard a very interesting story the other day. Uh, This poor um, saint living beside this atheist. And and he was always making fun of her, how she trusts God. And so she went, he went out one day and bought a whole bag of groceries and took it to this little saint and put it there and took off. And so he was waiting for her to come out and get the groceries, (laughs) which she did. And he came over and she said, I want to tell you how God has provided for me. And he started to laugh. Ha! God provide. I was the one who put it there. Now what do you have to say? Oh, friends, you know what she said? Dear God, I thank you for all your provisions and for even using the devil to deliver it. (laughs) I love that. The providence of God. Friends, because we, we are so careful with our gifts and our ministries, we don't see the providence of God overcoming all the obstacles that are inevitably there. In 1922, I wasn't alive, I just know the history. In 1922, two men met on an open field in Three Hills. One Mr. Kirk and one Mr. Ellie Maxwell. I mean, if you know where Three Hills is, nothing is there. I mean, and if nothing was there when I was there, just imagine what it must have been like in 1922. I have endured cold temperature to 68 degrees below zero.
half a dozen people had a, a Bible study in Three Hills, and they wanted someone to develop a curriculum for them. And they heard of this man called L.E. Maxwell. And they wrote a letter. Mr. Kirk wrote the letter to Mr. Maxwell and said, we'd like you to come up to Three Hills and do a curriculum for us because we want our studies to be structured. And my friends, that little band of people in that desert-looking place out there in Three Hills was how the Prairie Bible Institute was started. Prairie Bible Institute that in my day became, became the biggest Bible school in Canada. Respected, they did not give degrees at Prairie in my, my time there. You got a diploma. But that diploma was respected in almost every Bible college in the United States. Most of our students would continue their education in Seattle to go to Seattle Pacific University with, with recognition of prairie. When I graduated from graduate school in Chicago, they accepted everything that I had studied at prairie. Just from that, just from that little, little place there. See, in the providence of God, friends, the providence of God is what assures me that obstacles are no problem to God. He can work, listen, he will not only work in spite of obstacles, he will work through obstacles. He, he's he's, he's going he's gonna to send things to us from the devil. <laughs> I think it was the, 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 uh, the um, founder of the Salvation Army uh, who was who someone asked him, he said, um, do, do you think that um, you should use money from, I'm not suggesting this, okay, please. Do you think we should use money from the bars for the work of God? <laughs> and General Booth said, the devil has had it for too long, it's time that God has use of it. Providence. I don't know, my friends, how God is going to providentially work let us not measure our ministry by the size of, of Sodafel. Let us measure our ministry by the calling of God. That in this place, this barren place, that God is able, like he did those two men, to raise up from this place. Who knows if God is talking to someone this morning that in a day to come, some young person will be called by God to be the pastor of this church, sitting right here this morning. Providence. I wouldn't want to live without it. God works in ways that we cannot even think. God knows all the pitfalls. God knows the evil that are in the way. And he will work not only in spite of them, but through them. Lastly, our partnership with God. The promises of God. The providence of God. Our partnership with God. Moses was doing what God called him to do. This was not Moses' dream. It was not his dream to send the people to, to risk their lives. No, friends. That would be manipulation. Moses said, I am sending you because God has told me to. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, St. Paul writes, 
for we are God's fellow workers. We are workers together with God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, and working together with Him. Do you see it? That the bread needed for the ministry comes from God with whom we are working. The bread for the ministry comes from God who supplies all things richly for us to enjoy. The waters, my friends, are, could be one another. The waters could be beyond the walls of this building. The waters could be, someone might be waiting in some other part of the world for us to give and for us to send. Never let us say, I don't think we can do that. Look at the clouds. Look at the clouds. And the text says, if you look at the clouds, you will never sow. And if you look at the skies, you will never reap. Because before you sow, you'll say, we can't do it. And before you reap, you predict that rains will come. Oh, friends, if we could hear the voice of God this morning saying to you and to me, this is the will of God. Walk in it. I want to close with one verse of scripture and then one illustration. 1 Peter 4.11. 1 Peter 4.11. Listen to this. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Whoever serves... Whatever service we have in the church, let us do it from the strength which God supplies. And if we know that God is the one who supplies the strength, we can't boast about it. We can only give him the glory. I close with this illustration. This happened some years ago, of course. That's where you find these wonderful illustrations. Luke Short. Luke Short was ministered to when he was 103 years old. He was sitting in a service like you're sitting this morning as he heard one of the great Puritan, John Flavel, preaching. As he recalled the sermon, short asked God to forgive him for his uh, sins right then and there. Though the, uh, through the death of Jesus Christ. He lived for three more years and then he died. The following, the, 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 on his gravestone, were these words, here lies a babe in Christ. He was 106 years old at this time. He heard the gospel when he, uh, when he was uh, um, 103 Here lies a babe in Christ, age three, who died according to nature at the age 106. Now, you know why I tell you that story? Because according to my, my source, Mr. Short heard the gospel 85 years before he died. 
and only three years before he died did he become a believer. You know what I'm saying, friends? What does God say about his word? My word shall not return void. Let, let, me, let me encourage you. Some of you have been praying for your loved ones, for your friends, for a long time, and you don't see any response. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. I'll tell you why. Because prayer never dies. When our prayers go to God, God can work even when we are not around. And here it is, friends. Let us cast our bread. Let us ask God, this new year in this church, what can I do to enhance, to strengthen the ministry of Soderville Church? And let us go forward with this one confidence. God has promised never to leave us, nor to forsake us, so that we with confidence can say, the Lord is my helper, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to us? Let's pray. Oh God, Lord, I have sought with some sense of urgency to preach this morning. And I pray that the urgency was sensed by the people as wanting more than anything else for God to do his work as he has promised in this church. Deliver us, Lord, from, from just settling down and settling in. I pray not that you will give me a fresh vision. I pray that you will give us so that we work together with God to bring about his glory in this place and in places afar by the strength which God gives and for the glory of God alone. 